What is the biggest problem affecting your PDR business? What is the one thing holding you back from taking the next step? What do you need to change to get the business growth you want? All these questions have the same answer. It's your mindset. My name is Corey Kleinfeld, and this is the PDR Coach Podcast, where I coach you on mindset around yourself and your PDR business. Now let's get started. Welcome back to the PDR Coach Podcast. Today, we have a special guest on the podcast. His name is Steven. Um, we connected at MTE probably about a year ago now, um, and we connected on the fact that we're both in very similar situations. We both worked and got trained and run businesses with and or for our dads for a long time now. Working with a family business has a, has a ton of benefits, as we'll talk about today, but it can also be difficult at times. Um, and we'll touch a little bit on that because I know there are a lot of people out there that are in a similar situation. Uh, Steven and his dad have built a fantastic PDR business in Georgia that's constantly growing. Steven um, is unique because he does every aspect of PDR. He does retail, wholesale, body shops, MPDR, and hail when it happens to come um, in his area. And it's a wealth of knowledge for any PDR tech. So what's up, Steven? Welcome to the show, man. How you doing, man? Good to I be here. I am doing great. So just like I like to start with everybody that comes on the show, um, how'd you find this weird little niche that we're in? Uh, well, my dad found it before I did, um, <laughs> which we're going to talk about some, but, um, my dad was a, he was either a service advisor or service manager. I want to say he was a service manager at a car dealership here locally where we live. Um, and I guess he was not happy with the job or whatever was looking for something else at the time. And as we have probably seen in our own business, people tend to watch the PDR guy and they get intrigued by it and everything. And, you get asked a lot, lots of questions about it. And my dad was no different. He saw a guy on the lot fixing dents and went out and talked with him a few times and decided that it was something he wanted to get into. Well, at the time, uh, that guy was working for a company uh, called Fix-A-Dent, which was uh, based, I think they were in Atlanta. But um, so he ended up getting on with Fix-A-Dent, worked for them for a few years. Dent Wizard acquired Fix-A-Dent. Um, and then all the technicians from Fix-A-Dent obviously worked for Dent Wizard. And, uh, around that time I was probably middle school. Um, so I was growing up watching my dad perform mm -hmm. PDR. Mm -hmm. Um, he eventually split off from Dent Wizard and started his own company, which was back in 2002. Uh, it's pro PDR of Georgia. And I basically grew up, uh, you know, learning about it, watching him. And then when I got older, I would come to the dealerships with him and kind of shadow him. I would drive cars back and forth to him while he'd work on them. Eventually I'd start fixing little small dents. And then in our, uh, basically our detached, uh, garage slash shop here at our house, mm -hmm. he would have a hood set up and I would practice with him and just kind of, I basically was raised in it, you know? Yeah. Uh, so he was my sole teacher, uh, as far as, you know, getting me off the ground. And of course this, uh, PDR business we're in has evolved so much over the last, you know, however many years with, yeah. with podcasts like yours and with different tool developments and things, and just kind of, I took what he had taught me and just continued the education, you know, that we all so, know and love. What now, year so. was that when he started with fix a dent? It would have been the nine, probably the early nineties. I okay. think so I'm not hundred percent sure on that. My dad started in 91. And I know that I'm, I think I've heard maybe Don Cavanaugh and some other people like 89 or 90 right there is yeah. like about the beginning. So your dad was, your dad was early. 
Like he was early. Yeah, there was yeah. no website. He, there was no tool companies really. There was there was no resources. Yeah, yeah. It was he he remembers and I'll, he's told me this before. He remembers a time when you could go to a car dealership and say, hey, you know, I do paintless dent repair, and they would say, what is that? Like bullshit. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you yeah. know, we don't and they and nobody had anybody. You know, yeah. of course now everybody's got somebody. Right, so. for sure. Yeah. So how is that? I guess to get into the father son thing, you know, I, you know, I'm in the same position. My dad started in 91. I was five. Um, so I saw it my entire life, you know, and the summertime in high school, I'd go ride around with him so that I wouldn't get in trouble in summer, you know, bored as hell, mess around with dent tools. Probably the first time when I was like 12, 14 years old, you know, try to mess with the, you know, fix a dent or whatever. Um, how's that relationship change relationship has changed over time? Like he obviously trained you, he taught you, but at some point from this is you and I talking outside of this, I know at some point you have somewhat taken over a lot of the marketing and the, and the, the promotion of the business. Like how has that changed over time? And then for people in that similar position, um, you know, what have you done well to, to achieve that? And what is, what is something you could have done better? <laughs> Gotcha. Well, um, it really wasn't the, the, it's kind of evolved. It never mm -hmm. was really a goal that I set out at the beginning. Sure. Right. Same. So, um, where it all started changing for me was when I started getting a little bit more plugged into the communities. I started, I joined some of the Facebook groups. I started listening to podcasts, yep. um, you know, just because it interests me, you know, and, um, you know, the more I listen to the podcast, I would take ideas that I would hear guys talking about as far as pricing or tools or just general business, you know, mm -hmm. outlook or whatever, and started to kind of adopt those things. And then I slowly started implementing different things into the business. And it was, you know, like me and you have spoken before, um, my dad's not an early adopter of things. Mm -hmm. You know, he kind of has to warm up to things sometimes. Um, and, and it wasn't like I listen to one podcast and had 20 different things that I wanted right. to change about the business. It kind of trickled <clears throat> over time. And then sure. as, as time passed, we've started doing different things. Mm -hmm. um, some things that he really wasn't in favor of some things that he was okay with, but ultimately I haven't yet, you know, fingers crossed made a decision that has backfired or cost us big time in any kind of way. Uh, pretty much everything that we've done has ended up being a good decision. Right. Uh, and I feel like that kind of harvest, you know, kind of developed the trust factor with him and me as far as, you know, my son's not going to sink our business. Right. You know? Yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of how that's evolved. Uh, things that I could have done better. Um, I think that that more is going to hinge on just the father son relationship. Um, you know, it's, like you were saying at the beginning, there's pros and cons to having a yeah. family business. Mm -hmm. And if we're going to talk about the cons, it's just, and people's relationship may be different, but mine with my dad is we, we butt heads a lot. Yep. Um, we're very much alike. My mom would say, and when you get two people that are like that, they tend yeah, to, sure. you know, they tend to butt heads a little bit. And, um, so, you know, it's, it, the, the friction there, I probably could have handled things differently and better at times. Yeah, you know? I, I have an answer. And I think it goes for, you know, father-son relationship or just even employer-employee relationship. Um, and I'll ask you this question. And it's a question that I've asked myself that has helped me in the relationship together um, with my dad is, is what did he, your dad, or this is me asking myself, what did they sacrifice in order to create this business, right? 
Um, right. So what, do you have an answer for that? Like going back to 94 or whatever, right? He's a service advisor, you know, steady job, you know, decent paycheck um, at the, probably even at the time. Um, and he had to flat out go into an industry that basically no one's ever heard of to do something that no one knows how to teach him to do really. I guess if anybody could in the nineties, it was Dan Wizard, but yeah. it, w- it was rudimentary. Let's just say that no, no lights. Right. You know, if, if there were boards, they were spray painted yellow boards. If there were even a thing in the, in the mid nineties at that, um, what did you have to sacrifice to, to create this business that, you know, that you're in now? Do you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, when he left that job, uh, he was unhappy, but he had, you know, uh, he wasn't hurting financially. I mean, he was doing fine. Yeah. Uh, he just wanted to change his, his career. And, you know, anytime you, you're changing a career, there's risk, right? You don't know what's on the other side of that door when you open it. Mm-hmm. Um, so so he, he couldn't see this many years down the road that this business was going to be as successful as it is. Yeah. Um, but when he, when he joined Fix-A-Dent, um, to my knowledge, he wasn't given a route. You know, he had to go out and he had to establish that he on his own. All, yeah. <laughs> so he had, he had to basically build it. Yeah. So, um, you know, doing that, I'm sure that there were times in the beginning where it was slow and he was probably wondering if it was going to work out. Um, he's told me many times that he remembers working till seven, eight o'clock at night sometimes because he just wanted to make sure he got everything done and was, you know, you're building a business. Yeah. Um, it's the biggest sacrifice I can think of was in that transition from fix a dent to dent wizard to him going on his own. Yeah. So basically, and, and, and I can't speak for the way Dent Wizard is now. I know several Dent Wizard techs. They're good guys. Mm-hmm. And I know some that love the company, some that hate the company. Mm-hmm. Um, back in those days, Dent Wizard, from what I've been told, were not, was not a very good company to work for. Uh, and most of those technicians, I believe there was 14 of them, give or take, that were acquired from Fixident that went to Dent Wizard. Within the first year, they were all gone. They'd all quit. Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that had happened, particularly with my dad, is Dent Wizard's billing was so messed up that some of the dealerships my dad's service were getting double billed for stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and they basically told him, hey, look, Don, we like you. We want you to stay here, but we can't deal with Dent Wizard anymore. You know, if you, can, if you want to be our dent guy, do it on your own. But you can't, we can't keep Dent Wizard here. So my dad was faced with a decision to lose his accounts or quit and do his own thing, which sure. is what he did. Yeah. And he was one of the many that were sued by Dent Wizard for that. Mm, um, and during that time, um, and, and this figure, when we're talking about today in the business today, and you think about starting a business and the investment and tools and stuff, this may not sound like a large amount of money, but for someone who's basically starting out, um, I think he said he spent, and I could be wrong, but he, I remember a figure of about $50,000 is what he ended up spending with lawyers. Um, he ended up going to court several times. Um, and Dent Wizard never won a case against him a single time, but because at the time they were owned by Cox, who has super deep pockets, they were basically trying to bury him in court mm-hmm. costs mm-hmm. and run him out of business, mm-hmm. which, you know, luckily they were not able to do. But when I, that's the one big thing I think of when I think of the sacrifices he made, yeah. because he could have said, this isn't worth it, yeah. you know, and totally yeah. folded up and done something else. And then how would, you know, your life or my life been different if our dads didn't make that sacrifice, right? Or if the employer yeah. you're working for people listening to this, that you're working for in a PDR employer, what they had to go through to get to where they are today. Right. And so right. that's one of the biggest things, like something if I could have done differently, I wish that someone maybe had told me that, when I was 18 or 20 
and I was this kid that thought like I wanted to push and change the marketing and change the, the way we did this and change the billing and change, like build a website and do all these things. If I would have just taken a step back, like I do now and just say like, I understand what you've, what you've done to create this. Like I understand what you sacrificed to get here and I appreciate that. And I want to take that and make it 10 times greater. Like me make me trying to make this thing greater is not saying that you didn't do it great. I acknowledge that, but I want to take it to the next level, right? Because as you come down on the backside of the trajectory of your career, as you get to 60 something years old, right? Or however old your dad is, right? right? The desire to push and look 10, 20 years down the road is not there. Right. But right. it is for you. And they're coming up in our twenties and our young thirties, looking at this, raising kids, a family, buying houses. Right. And we're like, okay, what am I going to, I got 25 more years of pushing dense left. Like, what can I do? Right. So, so if anybody's listening to that in this situation, give respect to the fact that they did it, acknowledge that. And then just say like, Hey, you built this base and I want to like take it to the next level to respect yeah. you and to show you what's possible and maybe to some aspect, make you proud of what I can now take it to. Right. I didn't get to start it from right. nothing, but like, where can I get it? Um, right. Anyway. So, you know, we touched on that. Um, you and I have talked a lot about that too, and I'm sure we will uh, more as we try to, you know, transition from, from father to son at some point, <laughs> maybe right. in the near future, hopefully. <laughs> Yep. Um, so like I said, you do a mixture of everything, right? Retail, wholesale, body shops, uh, NPDR and hail. I'm the same way. Um, I did NPDR for a while. I fixed like 12 tanks and got out of it cause I don't like it. But, uh, and I don't get a ton of hail in California, but, um, we did some in the local Reading storm and things like that. But why the mixture? How do you, how do you handle that? Do you have multiple technicians? Do you do all those things? Like, how do you there's a lot of guys that I work with specifically clients that like, I just want to do retail because of this, or I just do wholesale. Like how do you handle all those things? Yeah. Um, so I do have multiple technicians. I've got, uh, well, my dad still pushes a little bit. He's, mm-hmm. he's, he's phasing out. He said that this is going to be his last year physically pushing. So after this year, that last year, uh, <laughs> okay. I don't think so. Okay, I don't think so. <laughs> He's adamant this year. He's already whittled, whittled it down to he's only does two dealers right now. Okay, nice. Cool. And he's already making preparations for me to take those over at the end of the year or beginning in January. So oh, nice. so he's he's folding it up okay. uh, as far as his personal pushing. Yeah. But uh, outside of me and him, I've got two other guys working with me. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them's been with me seven years, I think. And the other one's been with me about two years. Are they family? Um, as, uh well, one of them is basically family. He's not family, but I've known him since the fifth grade and we basically grew up together. So, uh, my dad considers him like his second son, Okay, cool. you know, nice. um, the other guy's not, he actually found me, uh, online, uh, and listening to some podcasts and reached out to me and that's how I met up with him. Nice. That's cool. So, uh, but as far as the different aspects, uh, I do personally do all of those. Um, as far as how I handle it, I could be way better about that. I need to put systems in place. So I'm not like tearing my hair out, uh, because I do answer the phones. I handle the texts. I handle the emails. I do most of the work. Um, and when you've got all of those coming in at the same time, it can be overwhelming. Uh, but so far, you know, I'm not insane. Uh, just growing some gray hairs. Yeah. And that's about it. Uh, but, but the reason I like it, even though it can be stressful, the reason I like it is because when you diversify your business like that, you insulate yourself against market changes that are going to affect you. Um, the majority of our business is wholesale. Um, but through our website, we get a good bit of, uh, retail as well. Um, I get 
all of my motorcycle work usually is coming through the website as well. And that's probably linked through YouTube videos and things that are funneling people to the website, but I get them mm -hmm. that way. Uh, I do body shops to me personally. I don't like doing body shops. Um, I know a lot of people service body shops heavily and they have good relationships with them. And um, I, I would love to be able to make the relationships with my local body shops better. Uh, they tend to only call me to save their butt when they're in a pinch and they've dinged something and the customer's coming that day and they want me to get there that day. And yeah. if somehow you roll out that miracle for them and you try and charge them retail or whatever, they, they get upset. They want you to give them their wholesale buddy, buddy price. And mm -hmm. I, not everybody has that experience. That's just my experience. So I mm -hmm. don't like body shops all that much, but I still do some of them. Um, and, uh, what was the other? Oh, hail. Um, we don't get a lot of it. Uh, we've had a few, usually every year I do 10 to 15 jobs, depending on if there's a local storm. And the thing is, is even if there isn't a local storm, there's a storm somewhere and dealers trade People cars. Drive by, yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and I get cars that land at dealerships that have hail on them. So I end up doing them. So, yeah. So, I mean, a big reason why I started this podcast and started coaching and stuff is that, um, I think I noticed a trend that a lot of people were saying really the way to become a great PDR business is to be in retail. Um, yeah. And that was the, that was the the thing that I heard a lot, right? Be in retail, use the Paul Corden price guide, stick to that guide and eventually drop all your wholesale and be a full, full retail tech. And that's like the feel that I got from a lot of the things that, you know, were getting talked about. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, I, I don't think that's true. I think there's a lot of, I know like Ryan shut does basically all body shops. It's like essentially the main majority of, I think he has like 30 shops or something. Um, I do a lot of wholesale. I know you do a lot of wholesale. I work with clients who do only retail. They have a retail shop or they do wholesale. Like I just think there's so many avenues to be successful in this business. It doesn't have to be only focused on retail, use the price guide. And that's the way you have a successful business. So why does wholesale get a bad rap and what can you do if you're do a lot of majority of wholesale? Like, do you have to leave that and go to retail or can you make the wholesale work for you and still create a great business out of that? I feel like our wholesale has gotten a bad rap just because there's, it's, it's a cutthroat business. There's not a lot of loyalty within wholesale. Um, you definitely have dealerships where if somebody comes in and they're $10 cheaper than you, that you're going to get kicked out or could get kicked out. It just depends on the relationship. Um, and, and I've said this before, but I jokingly refer to the way I approached wholesale is like playing Grand Theft Auto or something like that. Some similar type of game. When you start your game, you're not going to be driving a Ferrari. You're going to be driving, you know, uh, a Honda Civic. You're going to be driving some basic car, meaning you're going to have rock lots, whole, you know, not maybe not even franchise stores, you know, mom and pops, whatever. And, you need to get that groundwork laid down first so you can get some income. Right. Mm -hmm. And then as you go and you're trying to find new business uh, opportunities within the wholesale realm here, you'll find a really good whole, uh, franchise store. Maybe it's a Ford store, Toyota store, whatever that becomes your baby. You cultivate the relationship there. And then as you're playing the game, you're going to level up your dealerships to be better and better. And then as you level them up, you're going to cut out the dead weight and get rid of some of the ones that are not as profitable. And it's just, it's a process. Mm -hmm. But the one thing that I've learned within wholesale is especially at this point in the business, it's very rare. You're going to go up and hand someone a card and say, Hey, I'm your dent guy or I'm a dent guy. I, you know, and they're going to say, 
oh yeah, well, uh, we're looking for a dent guy. It's not, it's rarely happens. They've always got someone, they've had someone for 20 years. Um, the way I've been successful at getting more wholesale is by building relationships with other vendors, whether it be the paint guy, wheel guy, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, you develop those relationships and then those guys will be your eyes and ears in places where you can't physically be. So I've got many accounts just because a painter has called me and said, Hey, just want you to know the dent guy just really jacked up the manager's car and they're really angry and now's a good you know, time. whatever. Yeah. Now's a good time, yeah. you know, or the, the, the guy quit or whatever. Yeah. Um, so, so I want, I want to stop you real, not, real quick. It's not going to happen overnight. I want, I want to let you finish for sure. But um, you started out by saying that, and I agree to this to some extent that it's cutthroat business, the wholesale world, the loyalty can be minimal at times in certain places. And then ended that last thing saying that most times, especially for a franchise dealer, a named dealer, I would say, not a wholesale account, but a named dealer like Ford, Nissan, Chevy, whatever. They, a lot of them have had a guy for 10 or 15 or 20 years. Right. So I have a question for you. Like, what's your experience on getting kicked? Like how many times have you gotten kicked out of a franchise dealer over $10 or $5 per car? Does that happen a lot? Um, I don't know the dollar amount. The times that I've been, I've never been kicked out for something that I did wrong or anything like that. Every time I've gotten kicked out, it's been because either a manager came in and brought his buddy or someone that they already had a relationship with, or it's been the dealership wants to go in house, for example, and they want to hire a guy that's going to do them all for a flat $50 a car or something like that. But never, never, I've never lost it over five or 10 bucks. Okay. Um, I think that is a fear for a lot of people that it can happen. I've never lost an account for that. I've lost an account by manager switches or in-house or something like that. But I personally have 15 years. I've never lost an account because someone's willing to do a $5 cheaper. Yeah. And you haven't either. And I think that's an interesting thing because we call it a cutthroat business and we say that that's going to happen. But I think a lot of times that's in our head, especially for those franchise dealers. I think a lot of times it's, it's really not five bucks. It's relationship plain, like plain and simple you know? Um, and so I just want to get your take on that because I do, I do have that belief sometimes too. And then I catch myself. I'm like, yeah, but I don't really know too many people that really got undercut from a new dent guy that came in and said, I'll do it for five bucks cheaper and hacks up a couple cars and they lose the, lose the lot. I just, I don't see it that often. Well, this, this goes back to something that my dad, uh, me and him were just talking about the other day in that it's when, when it comes to you servicing a dealership, the most important thing is that that manager likes you. You have to have a good personality. You have to be able to approach people, talk to people and win their trust and have them think that you're on their, I don't mean think like you're being not truthful, but you want them to know that you're on their side, you know, that you're there to help them. And if you build that good relationship with them and they like you, then more than likely you're not going to lose it over five or 10 bucks or something like that. Um, and, and honestly, we, we've talked about the, you know, the difference in hard skills and soft skills, Mm -hmm. um, is very true that you don't have to be the best dent guy. Another company can come in that could do dents way better than you, but if they have the personality of a tree and you're personable Mm -hmm. and the manager likes you, they're not getting the work. Right. You know? Yeah. So, so yeah. What's your, what do you think on, um, how important it is to be available for dealerships? like for that, for that save, or do you just, you just do the one, one time a week and that's it. Like you don't go. Um, well, 
I am one time a week, just about everywhere I go. Yeah. If it's a big dealer and they're going to need more than one day, I will, I will arrange that to give them more than one day. But what if they call um, you and if, if they, on your off day? Yeah. If they call me on my off day and there's any possible way I can get there, I will. Um, but I've actually developed decent relationships with competing dent guys, but yeah. you know, guys that I'm buddies with and that I trust. And if something I, I'm not beyond calling my competitor and saying, Hey, look, you know, I can't get in the area today. Would you mind going over to this dealer and taking care of this car for me, mm-hmm. bill them, whatever you want, you know, mm-hmm. just take care of it for me. And I've done that on several occasions and had, you know, fires put out that way. And it, you know, you would obviously do that with someone that you've already developed a good sure. relationship with trust sure. and relationship with, but I've done that before. And if the, if the dealership, I've had dealerships see me do that and they know that I'm doing everything I can to get there to get them taken care of. Yeah. And when they see that you're calling a competitor to get them taken care of, I've, I've had them thank me for that because they know that you're, you're kind of sticking your neck out when you do that, you know? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. That's a huge tip right there. I mean, you know, if you're going to enter in the wholesale world, like you said, you might have to come up from, you know, non-name dealers to start until you get to the name dealers or the franchise stores. Um, and, you know, knowing your competitors, knowing the people that can do decent dent repair in your area is huge um, for yeah. many different reasons. And that's, and that's one of them for sure. Um, and then uh, building that relationship, you know, um, don't just see them as a way to make, you know, to build 10 cars at 75 bucks right? Like actually develop a relationship with them. And that will, that will last through all the things that will potentially happen. New people coming into town, all that stuff. I mean, you'll, you'll lose some accounts here and there with manager switches, but um, you know, if you want to build that steady wholesale, I think those are the big tips in order to do that. Um, And then when you, when we're talking, and we can talk about this in a minute, but when just so I don't forget, whenever you're talking about diversifying your business, so having a little bit of different, you know, a little bit of retail, a little bit of wholesale, knowing that those bumps in the road are going to come in the wholesale game is why you want to have some retail there you go. and why you want to have some body shops because when one takes a hit, you're, you didn't sink your ship, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And that's the way I've always built my business is, um, you know, wholesale. And then wherever I have that wholesale account, I will put the retail, you know, jobs around that on that day. So the retail is like, okay, I'm going to be in this city. The option that the retail customer gets is, is that Tuesday. Cause that's when I'm in that town, you know? Um, right. And so you, you kind of like, you know, try to make your schedule work around, like putting all those things into, into one space um, or into that area. So you're not driving an hour, hour, hour back and forth. Um, a lot of people right. do that and that's tough. And that's another reason why it's no good knowing, uh, knowing other, other 10 guys. Um, what about charging more at dealerships? I know it's becoming more of a thing now and I do it a lot. I know you do it as well, but um, I have a set rate for cars, you know, 65, 75, 85 bucks, something like that, depending on the volume that I'm getting from the dealer. Sometimes it's 25 cars a week. Sometimes it's five cars a week. And then what about charging more? How do you approach that conversation with, uh, with a manager um, to try to make these wholesale accounts better for- right? for your company, you know? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I definitely do have a, you know, I, I basically do a panel price. I don't do a flat price okay. per car. Cause I feel mm-hmm. like the price should be reflective of what the damage is. Sure. Um, and a lot of the time your pricing is going to be able to change as you get different dealerships. Cause a mom and pop, yeah. you know, may not have as deep of pockets as a Toyota dealership. Yeah. So, you know, they may be a little more cost conscious. Um, oftentimes they're not nearly as quality conscious either. So you can kind of, you can, you know, this is something that we were talking about before we went on. Yeah. It's you give them what they want. You sell them 
the service that they're looking for. So if it's a buy here, pay here that doesn't want to spend more than $75 a car, but they just want to sell the thing and they don't care if it's perfect, you're not going to spend an hour on a car for 75 bucks, right? Um, you're going to get it to where maybe you and them knowing where it was can look and see that it had been repaired, but a customer for seeing it for the first time is not going to notice it. And if that's what they want and that's what they're happy with, then you give them that and that makes you a good businessman. You're giving them what they want. Right. Yeah. So as far as the pricing goes, that's the way I would handle a situation like that. If I were still servicing mom and pop buy here, payer type accounts, when you get into bigger dealers where they're giving you a larger volume, typically if you're doing a franchise store, you're not going to be doing smashes all day long. You know, most of these big dealers are not buying crap. They're buying nice cars. So you're fixing door dings primarily. Certified um, stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Certified stuff. Yeah. So for, for your, for your normal door dings, I'm basically a panel price. I typically top out at $85 for just normal dings. Uh, the larger stuff, I kind of approach that as I know what I automatically know what retail is going to be on it. Um, I know a lot of guys will say, well, I'm going to give them 50% off of retail or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, and I know there's probably a lot of people that aren't going to agree with me on this, but for wholesale, the name of the game for me is get the job done as quick as I can for the, for a dollar amount that I'm happy with for the amount of time that I'm working on it. Um, I'm not the type of guy that's going to take a hood that's been pushed in where I can take some, a glue cutter and cut the bracing and the hood go boop like that and take a dent the size of a volleyball and charge them 500 bucks for it. I'm just not going to do it. I, just, I can't, I can't sleep at night doing something like mm -hmm. that. Um, and I wouldn't do it in the retail world either for yeah. that matter. But if, 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 if you've, if you've gotten to a point where your skills will allow you to take on large damage and, and make it right, you know, and our tools that we've developed in the industry now have gotten us to where we're tackling larger and larger stuff, stuff that in previous years we would have definitely sent to a body shop that we're now able to do right. when you're doing that type of work and you can do it to a high level and your managers see that, you insulate yourself against a lot of the competition coming in and trying to charge a cheaper rate because if they can't handle that type of damage, you're like their ace in the hole when they have a, a situation arise and they want to save a body shop charge on something, yeah. which is going to be way more than what we would have ever charged. Right. So I usually will take a large dent and I will maybe start at 150 or 200 bucks for something that's maybe like the size of a grapefruit or something like that. And if it, if it gets bigger and bigger or with hail, stuff like that, I look at that dent and I think, how long am I going to put on that to get it to where it's a good wholesale quality to where I'm happy with it. They'll be happy with it. What, how, what's my time invested and how much do I want for that amount of time? Right. That's kind of the way I approach it. And, you know, I know some guys probably will do it differently, but the good thing about the business is, is if you have eight or nine door dings, cars with door dings that you can knock out five, 10 minutes a car and you're mm -hmm. pumping them out. And then it takes you an hour, hour and a half to do a, $200 or 250 dent yeah. or whatever. At the end of the day, the amount that you're billing out is, is a good amount. Yeah. You know, the wholesale is so. about the, is the volume game. Yeah. So yeah, you said a lot there. Um, some I've heard this a million, million different times and everybody has, and some people might be cringing right now too. Um, listening to you say that because, and because I agree with you as well, but I don't, I don't think that every dent you touch has to be perfect. Right. Or has to be, let's, let me say, I don't think every dent that you touch has to be the best that you can possibly make it. How right. about that? Especially if, world especially if you're going to play the wholesale game. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Um, Which that's, that's, it's, it's difficult for guys that are very retail focused mm -hmm. that 
it's kind of hard for some people to make the mental switch right. from I make my dents perfect every time and I charge full retail price for them because I take so much pride in what I do. And I'm right. not saying there's anything wrong with that no. in a retail setting. But I feel like if you want to really be successful in the business, you got to be able to make that switch in your brain to say, okay, this is not a retail scenario that I'm in right here. This is a wholesale scenario. There is a limit to what I'm going to be able to charge for this. So I can't give the same quality that I would give a retail customer for the wholesale mm -hmm. price. You just can't do it. Right. That doesn't mean come in and hack it to pieces and make it look like crap, mm -hmm. but you can make it look to, you can make it good enough to sell to where they're happy with it and where you get compensated for your work. And right. I'm perfectly fine with that. Right. And I, and I agree with that too. Like if you can, if you can run a successful business, you know, five days a week, only doing retail all the time and you don't get burned constantly doing that, they get, go for it. If that's what you want to do, that's, that's great. Like go for that, man. Um, yeah. But if you can't, if you're struggling, right. If you're making, you know, five to $10,000 a month, but you think the only way to do dent repair is wholesale, um, you know, you can make, you can make double that it's very possible to make double that and work 40 hour schedule. Um, and you may have to do wholesale, but the only way you're ever going to make it, make money in wholesale is to match the quality to the price. Right. Right. Like you said, give and, the customer what they want. Right. And the other thing that we haven't touched on, cause we've been looking at this purely from a financial standpoint mm -hmm. is, you know, some guys just like the lifestyle that are not, I don't know if I want to say lifestyle yeah, wholesale and retail fair. are going to give you two different types of, um, like your scheduling, yeah. for example. Mm -hmm. um, and just the, the stress involved. Some people don't like dealing with retail customers. They right. just want to go to a dealership. They want to write up five to 10 cars, get approval, go out on the lot, fix them, turn in the bill and go home, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. and you can make money in, in both, uh, both segments of PDR. Yeah. Um, you can mix them if you want to, you can focus on just one if you want to. It really just depends on your personal preference and how you want to structure your business and what is, what's fun for you, yeah, you know, for sure. where you get, where, what you get fulfillment out of. Yeah. Right. And just know what you want too. I mean, you know, just recognize what you want, what you want to provide. Um, something I work with my clients with too, is like, um, you know, some people just don't, they don't want to do wholesale because they only want to do perfect repairs. Okay. Like they're craftsmen, right? They have the high quality is like, is the, is, uh, a very, very high on their list of priorities. And that's great. Go build a business around that. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. You know, you right. can, you can definitely make a great living, have a good life, uh, run a legitimate, great PDR business, um, by doing wholesale, only wholesale or a large mixture of wholesale. Um, right. and I just want to highlight that for a minute, especially with you, because I know you and I've talked about that a lot. Um, there's not a ton of guys who, who are highly recognized in the industry and you being one of them that do a lot of wholesale. Would you agree with that? Yeah. I mean, yeah. a lot of um, I think, uh, uh, I want to butcher his name, but Dave Shallot or Dave Shallot. Yeah, Dave Shallot. Yeah. See, he, the, the funny thing is, is that one of yeah. one of my technicians is named David Shallot. Really? Like that's his name. Oh, that's yes. crazy. <laughs> it's spelled differently. That's, but the first yeah. time I heard of Dave Shallot, <laughs> yeah, was on a podcast, and they said we have Dave Shallot on, and that was the first time I'd heard it. And I was like, like what? Is my technician yeah. on a podcast right that's now. That's hilarious. Yeah. But um, but yeah, but I know he he has a ton of wholesale dealers. I know he's yeah. got the wholesale price guide within Mobile Tech RX. Um, mm -hmm. and, and me and him are kind of on the same mindset as far as making money in the wholesale game. Yes. And I know that it has, it has definitely gotten a bad rap. I don't think it's justified. Um, I think it's more whatever that technician who is, you know, poo-pooing it. That's just their, that they just don't like wholesale. That's mindset, a personal yeah. thing for yeah. them. It's their mm -hmm. mindset, you know, for sure. I know plenty of guys that love wholesale. Yeah.
For sure. So. Yeah, I know Dave Shalot. I met him, I met him um, actually when I was in Arizona. Great dude. And, and then we can go down the road of like, okay, how can you start to increase your value in the wholesale game? Because he's great at that, right? Um, and I'm actually going through some of this right now. Um, actually working, I was working on that today, <laughs> making, making my price guides for the end of the year, my new prices for the wholesale. Um, he's great at adding value, right? Like he'll go get, he'll go get certified for, um, you know, electric power downs and go sell that to the BMW dealer. Cause they have a lot of electric cars. Right. And all those, like, how can you start adding value to, to the wholesale game? Right. And can you start having set specific prices within the wholesale game? Like, okay, you know, you have a panel price, right? You have if this many dents on this panel, this many on this, right. It max out 85. And then if, what if you have a dent between four and six inches? Can you charge a certain price between six and eight inches? Right. So you can start to, to categorize each of those areas and you can start um, creating more value for them and earning more money, right. Within like a specific parameter. So that's kind of where I'm, where the road I'm going down. I was like, okay, a lot of time has been spent. I, I, I fully believe this in the retail space that, I don't just pick numbers anymore. I'm not like, Oh, let me do that for 250, Right. I'm like yeah. price guide. Here's the factors that go into it, all this stuff. So I'm actually shifting that. And a lot of that came from, from Dave shifting that over to like, can I, can I do the same thing in the wholesale world? Right. Can I right. make it, you know, more specific, like, okay, here's the scenario where I charge the $75. Here's the scenario where I charge 125. Here's a scenario where I charge 225. Right. Yeah. And so you can start to build on the wholesale and try to create a better business out of that. And again, to go back, my biggest fear and a lot of people's fear of doing that is that some competition is going to come and undercut you for five bucks and lose the account. And right. Lose the account, right. But that's never happened. Right. Right. So that's I true. ask this question to my, to my, to my coaching clients that are, do, that are like having trouble raising their retail prices. And I ask them how many, how many customers say no to your retail price? And they're like, right. oh yeah, like basically nobody ever says no, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, it's too low. Yeah. It's you got to get no's. You got to get some no's, right? Yeah. And so I'm maybe going to take that same mentality into the dealership world. Like, I don't think I've ever lost an account over price. So let me go start to have some discussions based off price and see where that, see where that limit is, you know, right. see where I could push that. Um, right. And I think Dave Shalott is fantastic at that, honestly. Yeah, he I is. Should probably, he I is. should probably have him on the show. So you, so to get off wholesale a little bit, like if I think of MPDR, if anybody thinks of MPDR, which is motorcycle dent repair, um, yep. they think of Daniel Brown, right? I mean, obviously yep. he, he invented he's the godfather. Yeah. He's the godfather. Um, but I think next for me is you, um, if you're in the MPDR Facebook group, um, or know much about it, you know, you're involved in that. How did, how did that come about? How'd you start it? Um, why do you like it? <laughs> Cause I yep. don't, but All anyways, right. talk about that a little bit because that's a unique, sure. unique, unique sure. little niche. So, um, I've been riding motorcycles for a long time. I really enjoy it. Uh, got, uh, David that works with me. He rides too. So we'll, we'll take a yearly bike trip down to Daytona or Panama city or whatever. All of us ride motorcycles down there. So I was already riding motorcycles and enjoying that, you know, activity right. before I started fixing dents on them. Um, and you know, thumbing through the ultra catalog, you know, Daniel had put out the vice stand and the tools and everything. And I don't, I don't even know how long it had been out, uh, before I yeah. latched onto it, but I just looked at the two. I was like, you know, I like riding motorcycles. Um, it's, I really enjoy bikes in general and fixed dents. And by this point I've been doing dents for a long enough time that I was, you know, successful at it. And I thought, you know, why not? You know, I'm marrying two things that I already enjoy. So why not? So, 
Um, this was one of those things that I approached my dad about sure. and, uh, he was not as enthusiastic as I was. Um, he, you know, can I guess why? Because I had the same conversation with that. He's tried to push on dents and motorcycle tanks. And when they're on the bike, there's like a 10% chance you can fix it. And he's been asked over the years and it didn't work out. And you know, right. Why do I that? don't know that my dad had ever okay. tried any motorcycles, but the, uh, the guy that was the guy that worked for fixing it, I was telling you, my dad talked yeah. to him and, uh, I don't want to say his name, uh, but my dad and him are still friends yeah. and he had done some motorcycles and I think he had gotcha. griped about the yeah. difficulty and my dad was just remembering that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but he, you know, he wasn't enthusiastic about it. Didn't really want to do it. Um, and he kept saying, you know, for every 10 tanks that come in, you'll maybe be able to fix one of them. And, yeah, you know, if you break something on them, they're extremely expensive if you break something. And I just, you know, and I just kept on him about mm -hmm. it. And eventually he knew that I wasn't going to let up. So he basically <laughs> said, you know, if you want to do it, fine, just do it on your own. And I said, all right, that's what all I'll right, do. Perfect. So, you know, prior to that, any, any tool expense or whatever is just a company write off for our, for my dad's company. And, yeah. you know, I have a company card and I just swipe it. Yeah. And get I need. <laughs> well, this was me coming out of my, coming out of my pocket for it. Yeah. So I bought the vice, I bought the tools, I bought everything that I needed uh, out of my own pocket, not knowing if I was going to be successful or not. And yeah. in retrospect, it's not a huge investment, you know, a couple, a couple thousand, thousand dollars, a couple thousand you. bucks. Yeah. Yeah. A couple thousand bucks. Yeah. So, um, I got that, went to the local Harley dealers around me, kind of started handing out flyers. Mm -hmm. Um, I bought a practice tank off eBay, um, played around with that and you know, it was slow starting cause you'd only get like the first year. I think I did like six, you yeah, know, in sure. a whole year, but you know, photographed them, started putting out some, uh, flyers at the dealerships and started recording videos. And I mean, it's like doing, it's like exponentially, grew. I've been right. doing it for six years now. Um, and at this point so far this year, hang on, my air conditioner is turning on. Let me turn this off so I don't mess up the audio here. Sorry about that. Um, at this point in the year, I've done 52, uh, between tanks and fenders, I've done 52 jobs. Um, it's way more than I thought it would ever be. Yeah. I'm probably getting two to three requests per week through my website just for motorcycle related stuff. Wow. Um, so, you know, I can't remember how I got into it. I know you asked me a question about yeah, how I got just started. Just about MPDR, yeah. And are most of those being shipped? Most of them are being yeah. shipped. Yeah, so that's 80%. The cool, so benefits of MPDR for people that wanted to get into it. And this is what, this is where, this is what sold me. Um, you know, I don't think we lost money on it. We bought the vice. We bought some tools. I fixed probably, I don't know, 10 tanks, maybe 12, um, but don't have passion for it. So I sold, so I sold right. the vice. But the idea of it is <clears throat> it opens you up to anybody in the country, first of right. all, right? So it's not like you have to find Harley people riding Harleys within a one hour radius of where you are. So that's nice. Right. And then right. also, you know, it's a, you know, three to five day turnaround or whatever you sell it as. So it could fill in, it could fill in between those gaps. The retail right. cancels on you. You're slow at the wholesale that day. Okay. Let me, let me take care of the take. Yeah. Is that yeah. what sold you on? And I yeah. Yeah. Um, well at first I just wanted to do it cause I thought it was cool. Yeah, you know, yeah. I just was like, I was like, man, I like riding motorcycles. Yeah. You got to fix a dent in a tank. It'd be so cool. Yeah. You know? And, and then I did the, uh, the first couple I did, I was like, Holy crap, this is really hard. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the, 
there's a learning curve on it. But once mm-hmm. I got over that hump and everything, I, it's, it's a very, for me personally, it's rewarding when I get a tank in, even if it's a small dent, when I get a tank, cause a lot of these, especially Harley tanks, they got a, a, like super yeah. cool, crazy paint yeah. jobs on them. Right. So, you know, I mean, one of the big selling points of paintless dent repair is that you save your factory paint, which, you know, if you're dealing with a, a civic, yeah, people might want to, nice. yeah. it's nice to keep <laughs> your factory paint. But when you have a tank that's got all kinds of graphics and flames and ghost you know yeah. things on it it's like imperative that you save that because there's no way to repaint it right. you know they're gonna have to replace it otherwise so mm-hmm. i feel like it just makes the benefit of pdr shine all that much more yeah and sure. i get this real like sense of like it's just a rewarding feeling mm-hmm. to be able to do that and, and man if you think people can be fanatical about their cars <laughs> the motorcycle is not something they need it's a toy yeah so when you fix their baby and they gloat all over you it makes you feel really good about yeah you know what you do you know yeah. and it gets you more so, business for sure yeah it gets you more business because yeah. they talk yeah for sure tank a week though basically i mean we're almost at the end of the year yeah. 52 right it's yeah about yep Oh, that's awesome. Between, well, tanks and fenders. Tanks tanks and fenders. Yeah, true tanks and fenders. Yeah. So yeah. a motorcycle part, let's say that. Yeah. yeah. Um, I've been asking this to most people that come on, come on the uh, podcast now, but where, where's the industry going, right? Your dad started in 90 something. He's almost 30 years in. You're about the same age as me. You got, let's say 20 or 30 years left. Um, yeah. Where's the industry going? Like house wholesale going to look, is it going to be all retail? Are we all going to have shops? Is PDR going to go away? What, what is your, what's your opinion on that? I don't think PDR is going away. Um, I feel like the future is bright to yeah. be honest. Um, I know there's in this year that we're living in, I know not much appears to be very bright. Um, but you know, the way the tools are advancing, we're able to fix stuff that we could not fix 20 years ago. Right. Um, we're saving stuff from a body shop that would have definitely gone to a body shop 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like the industry is evolving and I feel like just, just the people that are involved in this PDR business are very uh, ingenuitive. You know, mm-hmm. there's, there's things that, I mean, it's, I mean, even as far as the invoicing, mobile tech RX, things like that, all the different aspects of business within PDR, I feel like are getting better. Yeah. Uh, and I feel like it's opening up more and more doors that were closed previously. So as far mm-hmm. as the, the industry as a whole, I feel like it's moving in a good direction. Now I know there's guys out there that'll say that the hill industry is going down yeah. and I'm not a hail chaser. So I can't yeah. really speak to that. Yeah, I don't, I don't talk too much about hail cause I don't, I don't know enough yeah. about it, but you know, but, but for me personally, it looks like a good future because of, like I said, diversifying uh, yeah. the business and all the different aspects of it. I mean, motorcycle tanks, I know Daniel's been fixing them for a long time, but there's still guys that I had a, uh, a YouTube comment on one of my uh, motorcycle videos from a customer that said, He's talked to several PDR guys in his area and every one of them told him that tanks can't be fixed because they're too thick. And these are PDR guys. Yeah. You would right. think that they would know, but mm-hmm. they don't know. Yeah. So sure. I feel like there's a lot of opportunity uh, as far as the PDR industry growth wise. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like it looks good. What do you first. think on the retail side of things? Like, um, I, I, do we, did we only just start or are we maxed out? No, I just, you know, a lot of people will say that the market's saturated. And this is something me and Mike Toledo talked about on the phone just the other day. Yeah. Um, I don't believe that. I don't believe that the market's saturated because where I live, uh, and granted, some of the guys that are fixing dents that live near me are not online. They don't have an online presence. 
uh, which many dent guys around the country don't have an online presence. So as far as the retail game goes, if they're getting retail, it's word of mouth. They're not, you know, they're not doing any kind of marketing campaigns, but um, 30 minutes South of me, there's probably three or four companies in the area where I live. There's at least two that I know of. And then I work up in the Atlanta area, which is swamped. You know, there's tons of PDR companies. You got Atlanta dent company that dent wizard just acquired them and they've got a good bit of technicians. So, um, and I still get tons of retail leads through the website, through videos, yeah. through word of mouth. I mean, I get it through all those. And um, I, I, I love doing retail, yeah. you know, I like, I like using it as filler work for, for the wholesale because I primarily have commitments at those wholesale accounts. And mm-hmm. like you do, I throw the retail in around that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really don't, maybe I'm naive. I don't see a negative trend within the PDR industry. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I took the, uh, the EV course with, uh, with Vince and Anson for electronic vehicle certification, got yeah. that certification. So, you know, if, if the market shifts and I know that it's trending that way to more electric cars, I'm prepared. And I think a lot of guys should be prepared, yeah. you know, whether it goes that way and we eventually have all electric cars everywhere mm-hmm. or whether it doesn't, there's still going to be more than there is now. It's a growing segment right. and you'll be prepared for that. And if there ever comes a time where you need to be certified to work on that, if you have that certification, you have now yeah. an, an open door for business that someone else may not have because they didn't innovate. They didn't stay current with the technologies, you know, and stuff. So right. yeah. Separating yourself. I feel good about, yeah. yeah, I feel good about most aspects of PDR. Um, and this could just be head trash. The wholesale aspect I get a little bit leery about because I know that there are a lot of dealerships that want to go in house. They're trying mm-hmm. to hire people to, you know, be their employee in years past. That's never really panned out because that guy gets a taste for the PDR money yeah. and realizes I can work half the amount of time and make more money. And yeah. usually it doesn't last. Sure. Um, but the wholesale, I'm, I'm trying to get a good beat on the way, where that's going. And for me personally, I have really good relationships with the managers and with the dealers. And usually if one of my managers leaves and goes somewhere and a new manager comes in and I lose that account, I, I have the relationship with that manager that left. So I you'll try to gain, follow you'll them. You'll gain they, one, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know. So uh, overall, I feel good about the industry. Yeah, I agree. I think wholesale, you know, I think it'll go in-house partially or all in, an all-in-one service. Um, that's getting bigger yep. and bigger. Um, yep. Someone will figure that out and get that dialed in to where, you know, it's a good price and the quality is good enough for wholesale. Right. So that does concern me, especially from, from a point of view of a tech that does a lot of wholesale, like both of us. Um, right. but I think, I think honestly, we, we, we've just scratched the surface of the retail of the retail market. Um, yeah, there's I mean, still people that don't know what PDR is in the I retail mean, world. I would say 90% of the country. Is that, is yeah. that unfair to say? Uh, I don't think, I mean, it's a, it's a high percentage. It's a big number, I mean, 70 to 90. Yeah. Don't even know that PDR is an option, right? That we can actually push the right. dent out without like repainting the whole car. Like I don't think they understand right. to it, to it. And if I, if I had to say that the amount of people that know that paintless dent repair can be done and that make they can make dents, you know, look like they never happened. There's probably a 2% of the country that thinks that's the case. Yeah. <laughs> I think some well, people I mean, have heard I, of it. I, right. But, I mean, how many times have I heard still mm-hmm. you can't fix a dent on a body line? Yeah. Right. You know, still hear that all from, the time. From dent guys, like you said, with the, with the tanks, like there's still dent guys out there that I, I go to sell at a dealership and they're like, Oh, I didn't know you could fix body lines. And I'm just like, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I had a, I had an insurance adjuster tell me that. Yeah. 
Right. You know, yeah. like, so there, uh, there's a, there's a lot of growth left. And I think, you know, becoming the best technician you can marketing yourself the best that you can being involved in podcasts in, in going to MTE in collaborating with other dent techs. I think all of that, the more we can get on a similar page and push the industry forward, um, I think is what's unique about this industry. And I think it's why, I think it's why I'm compelled to do this. And I think why you're compelled to go to MTE and to know the people and to be on the podcast and just to help move the industry forward. Yeah. You know, well, it, it, you, you get so many, you, it builds on, you get these different strengths, you know, mm -hmm. if you're just in your own bubble and you're not, uh, involved in some aspect of yeah. the PDR business as a whole, whether it be online through podcasts, through going to MTE, yeah. uh, you're, you're kind of isolated, you know, mm -hmm. and you don't see the, the, the big world out there as far as yeah. PDR goes. So, you know, when you get involved in something like that and you see that, you know, Corey is successfully doing this in his business mm -hmm. and you start seeing how he's doing it. And say, oh, I wonder if that'll work in my market. And then you mm -hmm. start trying things you know, that's, that's how I have been able to kind of transition into this area of the business where I feel like, I feel like our business is doing very well, even in this tumultuous year, it's been busier than ever. Um, so I can't, as far as business goes, I can't really gripe about too much. Mm -hmm. Things have been really good. Um, and like I said uh, earlier, when you diversify your business, you're insulated against market shifts within, uh, within a certain segment of the PDR business. And that happened as a result of listening to podcasts, talking with other people, going to MTE. Yeah. Um, and and it, you just get all of these different uh, tools to put in your, you know, your arsenal yeah, as far as your, sure. yeah. And your toolbox, you know, 100%. so yeah, yeah, totally agree, man. Love the, love the perspective. Um, I'm glad we were able to have this chat. I know we've talked about doing this for, I don't know why it's been a long time, a bunch of months. Been a while. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm glad we finally did it. Um, I know there's a ton of people that are going to get value out of this and um, anything you want to say before you go, any, any place they should check you out or anything like that? Uh, well, our website is dentrepairgeorgia.com. Uh, if you want to, if you're specifically interested in the motorcycle yeah. uh, side of it, you can go to motorcycledents.com and that'll take you to the motorcycle section of the website. Uh, we also have a course within Dent Trainer. If you're interested in getting into PDR, um, you can go on Dent Trainer's site and they have, you know, individual courses there. There is a motorcycle course that I put out there. If you're interested, you can check that out. Um, and if you just want to reach out to me, just a chat or whatever, I'm always open for that. You can find me on Facebook. Just search my name, go in any of the dent forums and type my name. I'm sure I've commented in all of them. So you'll <laughs> find me that way. You know, I'm pretty easy to find. There you go. So Awesome, man. Thanks yep. for coming on. Yeah, man. Appreciate awesome. it. Thank you for listening to another episode of the PDR Coach Podcast. If you got any value from this podcast and want to do something for me, then the best way to do that is to subscribe to the podcast and give me a rating and review. If you want to know more about me, then you can find me on Instagram by searching for the PDR Coach or find me on my website at coachcoreyk.com, C-O-R-Y-K.com. Thank you for listening and I'll be back next week.